calm definitely can mean different things to each person. I mean, we're all so different with our different backgrounds and experiences and nervous systems and energy levels. And so for me, calm spaces are visually a lot less cluttered. It doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean it's kind of like this modern, super modern, white, uber minimalist environment that people can kind of think of. It just means that I have pared a space down enough that when I walk into a room, it doesn't overwhelm me and I see things that I love and that I need and that I want there. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. How would you like some more breathing room at home? Holly Blakey is a home organizer and creator of Breathing Room Home who specializes in creating calm spaces that you love to live in. As owner of Breathing Room Home, she's been transforming client spaces for over nine years, specializing in creating beautiful and practical systems that help families simplify their lives. She has a product line with Sugar Paper LA and has appeared in Real Simple, Domino, Goop, GMA, Good Housekeeping, HGTV, and People. On today's episode, you'll hear about Holly's journey to embracing simplicity in her home, organization hacks to help conquer all the mess, tips for creating calmer spaces, and much, much more. Well, Holly, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm happy to have you here too. Why don't we just jump into it? Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, well, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be on the podcast today. I've been following you a long time and I just resonate so much with your messaging and the mission that your business serves. So yeah, I've had Breathing Room for about almost eight years now, maybe a little more. It developed right after I had my first baby. I realized while I was pregnant that I didn't want to be in the industry that I was in currently. It just wasn't really serving my soul. And I didn't feel like I had a strong mission there. And I had had a really wise friend a long time ago, even before I was pregnant, that asked me, Holly, if you could do something for fun and for free, what would that be? What would that look like? And while I was pregnant, and you're kind of thinking forward about, okay, what kind of mom do I want to be? What kind of wife do I want to be? Just what kind of human do I want to be showing up every day with my energy? I knew that what I currently was doing in the tech industry was wasn't really giving me the opportunity to show up each day how I envisioned. And what really brought me so much joy was creating calm spaces. That is something I had been doing for fun and for free since I was little. <laughs> to the point, you know, I was, I'd be at sleepovers with other 10 year olds and I'd be decluttering closets and organizing drawers and making the bed so that the environment was beautiful and perfect for the sleepover. And, you know, it's just something that I always, always felt so much calmer if I could pare down my environment. How that looked when I was little was (laughs) I would bother my parents so much because I would take everything that felt cluttery and put it up in the attic in my parents' house when I was young. And then they'd go up in the attic and they would wonder what the heck 
happened. So I knew that going forward, bringing a little human into the world, if I was going to be working, and that is something I've always really enjoyed doing. I love working and I love creating and I love connecting with people, but I wanted it to be something that, you know, after I closed my computer or got home, I wanted to be full of joy and energy still not drained. And so breathing room kind of formed that way about eight years ago. So calm is important to you. And you say, I create calm spaces you love to be in. So I want you to define what calm means for you. What does it mean when you were creating a calm space at a sleepover? Calm definitely can mean different things to each person. I mean, we're all so different with our different backgrounds and experiences and nervous systems and energy levels. And so for me, calm spaces are visually a lot less cluttered. It doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean it's kind of like this modern, super modern, white, uber minimalist environment that people can kind of think of. It just means that I have pared a space down enough that when I walk into a room, it doesn't overwhelm me and I see things that I love and that I need and that I want there. Well, I definitely can see that that's what you're creating in your own home and your client's home. And it's something that I don't know if my house is calm, but I definitely, I mean, I'm a minimalist. I like to keep clutter at bay. I don't want the visual anxiety, the visual clutter. I want my countertops cleaned off as much as possible. And again, I have kids, so those are going to get a little bit messy from time to time. But if I can easily manage it, I think that's the biggest thing. I want a space that I can easily manage, easily tidy, because mess is going to happen. I had a lot of experience with how your environment affects you. Not only just when I was growing up. And of course, when I was young, I didn't really even, I couldn't articulate that. I just did what felt good. But then in college, I studied cognitive psychology and I worked with autistic kids. And their environment was so important to their thriving, their ability to learn new things, their ability to stay calm and focused. And so it was kind of like this feeling I'd always had with my own environment really put into clinical practice that a calmer, more consistent environment with surroundings and amount of items around a child with autism, it really predicted that day's effectiveness for learning and calmness. And so that kind of clinical feedback was so important, putting more of the puzzle pieces together. And as far as talking about being a mom, if you're a mom and you are always just seeing these perfect homes, I think that feels really, really unrealistic and unattainable. But I think the reason people hire me or they ask for certain blog posts or seek advice on creating calm environments with kids is because it's not that I'm throwing everything away that would traumatize my children. And it would traumatize the children of any client I'm working with. But it's finding systems like you just said, a way to be manageable so that us moms, whatever our day looks like, the last thing we want to do at the end of the day, when it's like you finally get your breathing room as a mom, you do not want to be spending hours decluttering and putting things back and cleaning your house. And so a lot of times, most of my clients are moms and they want these systems that make their daily routines so much simpler and give them the space that they need. So it's not having a perfect home. It's not having their kids are only allowed to wooden organic toys. It's about having the systems that give them time back and help them have more of a calming environment for their whole family. 
So I really wanted you to describe what a calm room looks like with a few rooms that we are inhabiting. The first one I wanted to talk about was the bedroom and how can we easily make a bedroom a calmer space? Yeah. And a bedroom is such an important space because it's the last place you see before you go to bed and the first place you see when you wake up. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm the type of person and I bet it is obvious to everybody listening, but I make my bed every single day because I like walking into a room with a made bed. So things as simple as that, and it doesn't have to be a perfectly in a three layered bed with pillows. It's like just pulling up the sheets, pulling up the covers, putting the pillows on that routine. It's like this ritual and routine in and of itself is calming. You do not have to do it perfectly, but when you get to walk back in your room later that day, you feel calmer. Having a bedside table where it's not cluttered with all your books and heaven forbid anything from work, keep that outside of the bedroom. But I, with my clients, usually have a rule of three, only three items on your bedside table. Maybe that's a lamp, a book, and a picture frame. Maybe that's a lamp, a journal, and a pen. Maybe that is a vase and two books. Like a rule of three kind of has helped give clients that boundary, which I think we're kind of looking for those boundaries, right? Because when we have environmental boundaries of our space, it gives kind of like a mental boundary of calmness. And that goes back to some of my work with autistic kids, but also with myself and my own kids, you know, I think we're all just looking for those mental boundaries of, especially for moms. I think there's this undercurrent of frenetic energy of always feeling like we need to be cleaning up something. So when we can kind of give ourselves these gentle self-loving boundaries, or you don't want to call them rules, but some people like rules. They're like, I'm going to fall in rules. It really helps put that piece of work one more thing to do off to the side. So making your bed, a bedside table with only three items on it. A lot of people believe in the energy of under the bed. So clearing out underneath your bed, if you're going to bed every night on a bunch of crap, and maybe you can't see it, but you know, it's there. A lot of people have found it very like energetically cleansing to get rid of things from underneath their bed, making sure whatever your bed is facing in the morning, it's more of a calm visual. So if your desk is in your room, making sure you have, again, baskets that yes, life is messy. Sometimes you're going to have a ton of paperwork, put it in a basket. That is another boundary. Just trying to keep this space that truly you find rest and reprieve in in, trying to keep that space calm. I love the idea of the rule of three. I think that's a great idea because again, you're right. It just does something to a person when you walk into a room or if you're cleaning and you're like, oh gosh, I have this mantle and I have to pick up this. This and that and this and that. And it makes me want to clean even less than I already do. Totally. Let's move on to the next space. The next space I was going to ask you about was going to be the living room. Yeah. And a lot of times people want help with their entry because again, just like the bedroom, it's the first place you see when your eyes open and the last place you see before you close your eyes. The entry is you walk in to your house and what is that first initial feeling you get when you see your home? A lot of people They want so badly to enjoy walking into their home instead of feeling like it is another huge task ahead of them. And so just like with the bedroom, creating those boundaries, you can have a lot of kids and still have spaces that you'll feel very comfortable and confident inviting people into. And that is creating those systems. And I think it's really important for anybody listening. And whenever I talk to any clients or anybody on Instagram, it's not a one 
one size fits all. And that's why I always do really in-depth consultations with new clients is like really understanding their lifestyle, how many people are in their family, are there pets, what does their schedule look like? Are there any special circumstances, kids with special needs, that kind of thing? Because there isn't one size fits all, but you can find systems that work specifically for your family to once again, give your family and your kids those kind of visual boundaries so that when you walk in your home, you feel better. So a great example that I do for a lot of families is that we make sure, especially if kids are in the living room a lot, which you still want your, you want your house to be livable and you want your kids to feel comfortable in the house. But also like it is our space and we do the most work in it that we deserve to really like how it looks. Simple, simple things like if your kids tend to have bigger items like stuffed animals or trucks, a lot of my clients really find it helpful to have a few pretty hampers, whether it's natural fiber baskets or one of those beautiful big pear pom-pom bins, but just to throw things in. And not only is it visually just so much easier when all those things are in the corner in one of those beautiful bins, but it's easy. You're not asking a busy mom to every day put things back in color order on a shelf or you know what, if it works the best for your lifestyle, literally throw it into the basket. A lot of times also we really utilize bookcases. A lot of people want like a prettier Montessori type looking system nice and low, the books up top. It's making it so first and foremost, it really works for you as the mom, because it's so true. The energy of the mom, and if we're so exhausted all the time, that's going to help the kids. So it doesn't matter how many wonderful things they have to play with or what you've done for the kids. I'm such a big believer in taking care of mom and making sure that she feels really good in her environment and isn't overwhelmed. I never want to create a system for a mom where she's like, there's no way in hell I'm going to keep this up because that's not the point. And so it's kind of like taking into account first and foremost, the mom, what do you want it to visually look like? And then what are you willing to, what's your bandwidth for keeping up a system? It's important to make, create systems that work for you. So it means open baskets because sometimes the biggest inhibitor of cleaning up is a lid. And I know that sounds so funny, but whether it's like a mom or a dad or the little kids, like sometimes a lid on a bin or a basket, no joke, stops them from cleaning up. Like something that simple. So we utilize a lot of bookcases, we utilize a lot of hampers, but also I think it's really important in any space, especially the living room where everybody uses it to set aside time before you start organizing or creating a system that you want setting aside time to really kind of give a good assessment to what needs to be in there. I think we're so busy that we dive into these projects of organizing or whatever it is, and you buy all the bins and baskets for what is there right now. When I think a big step is like, hey, I'm just going to take an overview and kind of an assessment of all the items in here and what really needs to be in there. A lot of the times, half the items can go in the kids' closets or in the garage or somewhere else. Not everything needs to be in there. And once again, it's the pairing back that sometimes allows kids to play more intentionally with the fewer items in there. And I know you totally believe that, but I think that's a step that in any space is overlooked is truly like pausing and being reflective and intentional about what is in there and what really doesn't need to be in there because then you're saving yourself money because then you're buying less. You know, if you think, okay, I need all the pretty baskets and bins, it's like, those are really fun and they can make a space look prettier, but oftentimes just so much less is needed. 
needed in a space. Yeah, absolutely. I was Googling what this thing was called that my sons have. It's the Hot Wheels Ultimate Garage Playset with two cars <laughs> and Robo Dinosaur. It is this giant, tall Hot Wheels garage. And <laughs> it, it was in the middle of their room at one point. And then I'm like, they're not even really playing with this. And so we did. We moved it to the closet because the closet space is we have it very organized. And those are the boxes where we pull out for toy rotation. So I kept it in there, but I told my husband the other day, I'm like, you know what? This probably needs to move to the basement for basement playtime, which is occasional. And honestly, it might be on its way out because they're not playing it with it that often. But yeah, there are those bigger toys that are somewhat eyesores. I do look at it as a season, but also if we can kind of hide and mask those things, where can we do that? Or where can we store it that's not right in the middle of things when they're not playing with it? I like what you said about a season because I find often that when I'm helping parents organize living rooms or playrooms or bedrooms, there's a lot of frustration around the huge big toys, which I get. But it is really important to remember that it's a season. And even for myself, I experienced recently last year, my eight-year-old, which feels way too young to be having this transition, but transitioning from stuffed animals to wanting an iPhone, which she will not get for a really long time. But it made me realize like, Oh my gosh, I actually love that my son who's five loves gigantic toys because it's kind of a sign of innocence and being young. And yes, those big toys can be so annoying. But like you said, simple things like maybe it just needs to be relocated. A closet Mm -hmm. is great for big, big toys. Your kid's closet is great for those big, big toys. It's a five-year-old's closet. My five-year-old's closet does not look breathing room home Instagram. There are Nerf darts everywhere. It's also because at the end of the day, sometimes I rather give myself sleep than be organized. Mm -hmm. I think that's important for people to know because I think sometimes what you see on whether it's Instagram or the container store website or whatever it is, it's choices, right? And what is that book? Essentialism. We get so much about there's always a choice. And some nights I choose sleep over. Sometimes I do not. I'm just like, we're shutting the closet doors, people. Yeah. I love that you said it. it's a sign and a representation of innocence because you're right. My daughter, even in something as silly as she reads to herself now in the evenings, I need to get back to reading with her. And I'm like, when did that stop? So yeah. I think we'll look back and say, oh, now they're playing with whatever fill in the blank toys. I think Legos are probably always something that is enjoyable for boys. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's what I've seen with my kids' friends. But yeah, I think it is a season. All right. I want to quickly get to, we already kind of talked about kids' rooms. So I feel like unless you have some other really big tip, but I definitely want to hit the kitchen and how can we make the kitchen a calmer space? For the kitchen, it becomes a drop zone a lot, especially people who don't have classic entryways or mudrooms or whatever. It becomes a drop zone for mail, backpacks, lunch bags, groceries to put away. So going back to the whole, whatever your kitchen looks like, really assessing the areas that are not working. What are the pain points? Is it like you always feel like your fridge is just never organized and always stuffed? It's like pausing and thinking, okay, I really need to assess. Are the foods always expiring because there's so much in there? So especially for the kitchen, you don't have to do it all at once. That can stop people in their tracks because they feel very overwhelmed. It's starting with like your biggest pain point. So choose your biggest pain point, whether it's even the Tupperware drawer 
drawer or for families, a lot of times they have, you know, like the kids lunch drawer where all the lunch stuff is, whatever your biggest pain point is, just start there because starting at a space where it'll have the biggest impact will create a ripple effect on all the other spaces. So the best example is the fridge and it can be transferable to your closet, any other space, but it's so important to take everything out and start from a clean slate because until everything's taken out, you really don't know what you have. It's like collecting information. Like I tend to buy a lot of mustards and never use them. It's information collecting. It's not judging yourself. It's none of that. So taking it out, having that fresh start. And then just like we talked about with the living room, understanding your family and their routine and their systems. So do you want your kids to be more independent? Create a drawer that is just for lunch items so that they can start creating their own lunches. Have their snacks nice and low. If you want them to eat more fruits and vegetables, remove the condiments from the drawer, put them up top on a little spinner, put fruits and vegetables in the drawer so they can grab them. Like there's so many creative, wonderful ideas for making your fridge work better for you. If you're needing more space, buy some stacking bins. I don't want to always say like you need products to make anything better. You don't. Most of the time, it's just you need less. Things like stacking bins can help. For a lot of families, they love a basket that's an eat first basket. So it's like leftovers or the string cheese that might expire in a week. Just making sure that you have an updated pulse on the inventory of your fridge. So you're wasting less. So your kids are getting what they need. If you grocery shop on Sundays or whatever day it is, organizing your fridge in a way that makes it easy for you when you're cooking breakfast, making lunches, and then preparing dinner. And once you have the whole saying, a place for everything and everything in its place, that's the key. Like every time now you go to the grocery store, you know where it goes back and it doesn't have to just be shoved in. So that space in general is so transferable to any other space because a fridge and your excess of mustards is just like your closet with your excess of black Lululemon leggings. It's like, okay, I don't need any more of that. It's taking up too much space in my closet and my life. So that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I had heard Mike Viking was on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. He wrote the Huga home and the little book of Huga, but he suggested to reduce food waste, I guess he was saying to put everything in the front that was about to go bad. And I'm, I'm like, why did I not think about that? That yeah. is such just easy, straightforward tip that would help save money and save food waste. So yeah, I love tips like that are really, I can just go implement right now. So I feel like you provided us with so many of those. Do you have any final word you want to leave with the listeners before we wrap this up? Probably the most helpful tip that you can implement today for busy families. And I didn't even realize how much other people would have liked this until I had a photographer in my home. They were taking photos for a book and she asked me, what's this basket in the hallway? And this is a family program. So I won't say the actual swear word, but I'm like, this is the effort basket. And she's like, what's the effort basket? And I told her, I'm like, it's each night. I give myself max two minutes to tidy up. That makes me feel calmer. I'm not punishing myself. It's actually something that I do as self-care so that I wake up and don't see my kids crap everywhere. But I seriously take a two minute sweep and I dump it into the effort basket that's in the hall. And it's between my kids' closets. My kids kind of, it's a corner area. And that way I'm not going to go in their rooms and wake them up to put things away. 
I don't have time for that. I'm not going to wake them up. But I put it in the effort basket at the end of the night and it's in there. And then I give myself the boundary of each Sunday while the kids are watching their cartoons, I put things away. But the other great thing about the effort basket, if it's something I really, really don't like, and I've seen my kids not playing with it, I just leave it in there for a while. And if it's like a few months later, it gets donated. But I told the photographer that she seriously thought that was like the best thing ever. And it was kind of the thing that I've had forever. It really does save my sanity at the end of the day, because I'm not frustrated that why am I cleaning up after them? It's like, no, everything that they left out and they know that I do this now, the older ones, especially like it's going to go in that basket. They're little, they're not on Sunday going to go be putting things away. So they know that I do this. If they really, really want it that badly, they'll put it away before I do or take it out before I do. But it's one of those things in our house that gives me a lot of mental peace and really does like one of those instantaneous kind of boundary solutions for the clutter. That is such a good idea. I feel like it's a little junk drawer that is kind of portable. I like that you can also toss what's in there if it hasn't been used. So great tip. Holly, where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you online and hear more of these tips? Most of the time people reach me through Instagram, which is breathing.room.home. Like you said, anybody's welcome to send me a message. Otherwise online at my website, which is breathingroomhome.com. Perfect. Well, I'm going to do a quick fire round with these last two questions. The first one is what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? For me, having a team of people or a group of friends, you could say it's not, I I do not pay these people. (laughs) But for me, I have a group of women and I've known these women for over 20 years. And we hop on a call at least once a week, if we can make it. And we just catch up and vent and share and encourage and cheer each other on and really just give each other this like level of acceptance of who we are and where we are in our lives that I think as humans, we just all crave, right? Like our kids, I'm really working on that, like accepting my kids exactly where they are, not where I want them to be. And so for me, this group of women it's like my safe space. We talk about parenthood. We talk about work. We talk about the fact that sometimes we haven't like gone to an exercise class in weeks and, you know, we support like you can do it, you know? So it's just this really safe circle of support that I think is the reason that I'm more successful as a parent and as a business owner. Yeah, no, I absolutely couldn't live life without my friends. I have similar groups and it's just... You can just breathe lighter knowing that you have that space to be vulnerable. And I would say for women that struggle to be vulnerable with other women, don't be afraid to put yourself out there because we want that. (laughs) I feel like we're designed that way. So I I think that women... Isn't that true? Like even when, you know, you're dropping off the other week, I was dropping off my daughter and it had been such a hard day. One of my kids Mm -hmm. is having just insane separation anxiety. And it's kind of this ripple effect in our house. And I dropped off my other daughter late and I locked eyes with this mom that I don't even really know that well. And she's like, you okay? You know? And it was like, it was such a genuine, like she knew that look in my eye of dropping my daughter off late. And I was like, it has been a morning. And she's like, I get it. I think we're all just really seeking that realness and vulnerability. And of course, course, as adults, we can't do it everywhere. (laughs) Like, you you know, we can't just be these like open wounds everywhere. But I do think it's really important. Like you said, if you're not somebody that's used to being vulnerable, I think it's worth putting yourself out there occasionally, because I think the biggest reward is when you do put yourself out there and you realize like how much 
somebody else needed it too. Absolutely. All right. Well, my last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? Lately, it's been White Lotus. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. My favorite is season two. I know everyone loves season one. I like season two better. And that's why it's so fun to talk about because I feel like everybody, yeah, they have their favorites. I just think that that show is so incredibly well-written because it It touches the nuance of so many weird relational dynamics, you know? I think it's just so well-written and the quirks of the people in there just make me feel so wonderfully boring. And most days I'm like, I... I mean, my husband will tell you, he'd be like, oh my gosh, Halls, like you need to bring it down a notch, you know? And when I watch that show, I'm like, oh, I'm so boring because <laughs> that's what I want to feel like some days. Just like bringing it back in, you know, full circle, like the chaos of life. Sometimes I just need things to be boring, including my environment. No, it is. That's the only thing that kept me watching it was how well written it is because I have not watched a show that hasn't been reality TV, which I barely watch TV as it is, but I have not watched anything outside of Love is Blind in the last several years. (laughs) So that show, gosh, when you find a show that's so well-written, it's hard to turn away. But Holly, thank you so much for joining me today. Again, this was so so full of information. I really appreciate you coming on. I loved it. I'm so glad. I know I want it to keep going for a few hours, but it's been so fun. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.